Broadcasting live from the KSHP studios in the heart of Las Vegas, Nevada. It's time to get on the right side of sports betting. It's time for the Odds Couple. Welcome to the Odds Couple on KSHP AM 1400 Radio. We're live in Worldwide Vegas Video Network. My name is Scott Pritchard. I'm a professional sports better handicapper featured on Pritchardspicks.com, joined, as always, by the GM of KSHP, Brett Grant. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Happy Game 7 of the NBA Finals. We're always going, a great day. We're going to recap some hockey. We're going to get that in, to that in about 30 minutes. Right now, a very special guest on the phone, my friend Tim Donahue, former NBA official. We're going to talk... Game 7, Heat taking on the Spurs. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. How's everything in Florida? Terrific. Couldn't be better. A little bit rainy lately, but the weather's been good. Well, we're very happy to have you on our show, The Odds Couple, today. Brett Grant and I talking NBA basketball on a day-in, day-out basis. Exciting game tonight in Miami. The Heat favored by five and a half, six points. Most of the places have six, whether it's in the Islands or the Las Vegas Sportsbook. Tim, how do you see this game? How do you see these two teams matching up for Game 7? You know, I think you're going to see a, uh, definitely a close game, and it's going to come down to... Uh, you know, who shoots better? Again, every team that's won in the series has hit some big shots from behind the three-point line, and I think that who's ever hot from behind that three-point line tonight is going to be the, uh, the winner of the championship. Tim Donahue from his own sports betting site, refpicks.com. We promote Tim on a day-in, day-out basis. I'm one of the featured handicappers on that site. Tim, you've got a stable of good, sharp people. My good buddy Paul Bovey is on that site as well. Tell us a little bit about your site, refpicks.com. You know, refpicks.com is just a, a site that puts together a bunch of terrific ha- handicappers. Like you said, we're fortunate enough to have Paul Bovey and yourself a part of our site. Guys have been in the business for years. Guys have been successful for years. And, uh, you know, we just try and put out a good product day in and day out, uh, put winners out there. And what that does, of course, like you know, it keeps people coming back. So we've been pretty successful in our first six months, and we're looking forward to continuing that. One of the things I've talked about on a regular basis on the odds couple, Tim, is the fact that you were a NBA official from 1994 to 2007. And I know David Stern, the commissioner of the NBA, we've gone on record many times. We're not a big David Stern fan. We see him as a uh, egomaniac, a bit arrogant, uh, a bit corrupt in my objective, unbiased opinion. I want to get your take on this because I know he himself tried to block your book on the inside scoop, the camaraderie fellowship of NBA officials. Tell us about that. That. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, he certainly has a very big ego. Uh, he's able to get a lot of things uh, squashed in the media very quickly. And he uh, had attorneys go into the offices of 60 Minutes and also the offices of Random House and basically threatened them not to run my story or print my book. Uh, fortunately for me, 60 Minutes basically told him to go pound sand and, and Random House canceled the book originally and I was able to get it published by somebody else. So uh, you know, it's something that he's, he's a powerful guy, and, uh, you know, he, he's somebody that can get a lot of things done. And we saw in Game 6 in the NBA Finals that, uh, you know, the NBA skirted a, a, a really a nightmare situation with uh, 5.2 seconds left when the officials went over to review that three-point shot. What a lot of people didn't realize is that San Antonio snuck in a sub of Tim Duncan, and if San Antonio would have ended up winning that game, 
and been awarded the NBA Finals trophy, they would have to go back and play that last 5.2 seconds because uh, Miami would have um, uh, appealed that game and been able to replay those last 5.2 seconds because a rule in fashion was, in fact, missed. Would they have actually done that, Tim, you think? I mean, that, I've never heard of that. They have done it before in certain situations. Uh, not many in the last 20 years. I think only two. And what they do is they wait till those two teams meet again and they replay uh, from the point where the rule was misapplied. Uh, Miami would have had to put up, I believe it's $250,000 for the appeal, but I don't know how they wouldn't be able to win that appeal because you're putting a player on the floor, misapplying a rule, and giving the Spurs an advantage. So I don't know what they would have been able to come up with, but it would have actually been a huge disaster for the league. Oh, that would have, that would have been Armageddon all the way through from San Antonio to Miami and, and all points in between. I mean, the league has already – it's been an interesting final. I mean, a very good final in a lot of ways. Uh, let me, I wanted to ask you this because a lot of people talking about this quite a bit. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but a lot of people are making it a big deal. And, and from your perspective as a former referee, about flopping. If I'm, if I'm a referee, I'm going, look, it's either I'm going to call a foul or I'm not going to call a foul. If you're flopping, eh, you're flopping. I'm going to leave it alone. If, you're, if, I'm, if I'm duped by a flop, I get duped by a flop. I don't understand why it's such a big deal. Guys, players in every sport have been trying to find ways to take advantage of a rule here or there in every sport since the creation of sport. Why is this such a big deal? I think it's such a big deal in the NBA because certain players are able to get away with it uh, more than others. And that star treatment uh, that the NBA so much accustoms themselves to uh, plays into effect. And and they just want to try and get rid of it completely. But they're not going to do that until they really start finding these players more money because finding them $5,000 is really meaningless to them, especially if it's, uh, working. I mean, we all know that LeBron James came out with comments uh, during the Indiana series where he said the reason he flops is because basically it works. So what he's basically saying is our referees aren't that great and we can fool them and that's why we do it. And I think a lot of the officials in the league office took offense to that. Uh, I think you're going to see these fines uh, escalate next year to where they can try and get this out of the game altogether. Tim Donahue, our guest on The Odds Couple today, KSHP AM 1400 Radio, Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada. We're live and worldwide on Vegas Video Network. My name is Scott Pritchard, pritchardspicks.com, also featured on vegasinsider.com. We have close to a million views per day. And my good buddy Tim Donahue, I'm on his site, refpicks.com. Business is good. I know this site has not been up all that long. Is that correct, Tim? Uh, the site's been up about six months, and... Uh you know, it's, it's a work in progress. We're getting the kinks out, uh, you know, but the bottom line is, and just like, you know, I've talked about with many other handicappers on the site, winning can cure everything and everybody can put up with the little kinks that we have right now. But it's, it's definitely been a success early on, and I'm excited to move forward with it. Well, I was very intrigued in reading your book about your experience from 1994 to 2007 being one of the top uh, referees, officials in the NBA. And I want to talk specifics about uh, you. You didn't hold back. I mean, you talked about the likes of Dick 
Bavetta. You talked about uh, Steve Javi, who has been one of my least favorite people based on the fact he had a personal vendetta against one of my favorite players, Allen Iverson, who never took a play, never took a game. He'd take a practice off every now and again. But I want you to maybe touch on that a little bit. I realize officials like everyone else, contrary to what we say on the show, are human like everyone else, and they err in judgment occasionally. But I want to talk to you specifically, if you don't mind, about... Uh, Steve Javi and the fact that uh, what happened, I, I know uh, in reading your book, you talk specifically about when Allen Iverson, who is a, a fan favorite in Philadelphia, he went to the Denver Nuggets. They go and play the Philadelphia 76ers one time in Philly. It's a homecoming of sorts for Allen Iverson. And maybe if you could expand on what took place because Steve Javi was officiating that game, if you recall. Yeah, there were situations where Javi and Iverson butted heads constantly through the course of Iverson's career. Uh, and then there was an instance where uh, Iverson basically threatened Steve Javi on the court, and uh, the league, in our minds as officials, didn't step in and suspend him. They fined him but didn't suspend him. So uh, a lot of us got together and said that we were going to enforce the rules based on how they're written in the rule book and really stick it to him. And we know... Uh, you know, if you look at Allen Iverson's game, you know, you could basically call palming not only on him, but a lot of the other players in the league anytime you wanted to. So we came together and we, we, I had actually the next game, uh, that he was playing in and, and we decided that we were going to call palming violations on him. And we called three of them on him in the first half and, and we didn't give him those fouls and plays that he was used to getting going to the hole. And he finally came up to me near the end of the game and said, Tim, you know, Listen, I get it. How long is this going to last for? So he got the message, and, and I think that, uh, you know, why I was able to pick the game so correctly during that time frame was based on relationships that existed between referees and players, referees and coaches, and referees and owners. And some of them were positive, and some of them were negative, and pulled out onto the floor. I thought it was interesting because in your book you talked about how when <laughs> Iverson went back to Philadelphia, he, again, it's a one and done. I mean, you play 82 games during the course of the regular season, but when East meets West, you only have uh, one one situation there. And the and the, uh, Allen Iverson was tossed out, not one but two technicals. Steve Javi tossed him. So I just, it kind of tickles me. I mean, the league is, I mean, Steve Javi's been featured on, the ESPN and the networks during the uh, NBA playoffs, and it's like he always kind of got on my nerves because of, because of that one thing alone. Yeah, and it's actually kind of amazing that he's um, now working in the NBA Finals, but and he never talks about a referee missing a call flat out. It's always uh, could have gone either way, or he's always backing the referees. And I think from a fan standpoint, you want to be able to, you know, get the inside scoop and the truth on what's going on with a lot of these plays. So it's kind of a, a waste of time, really, for them to put him on there if he's not going to be truthful and, and basically give a, a, a very uh, opinion based on what actually takes place and not actually what he's trying to do in backing the officials all the time. What was Dick Bavetta like as an NBA official? What were your dealings with Dick? Now, Bavetta was a guy that wanted everybody to like him. He wanted... Uh, you know, things to go great for the league. He was one of those guys that really treated the stars differently. Uh, if he was in a game and a team was down 25 points, he would make sure they got the benefit of all the calls so that they weren't embarrassed and everybody was happy leaving the floor. Uh, you know, he, he was questionably the, uh, 
you know, the um, NBA's go-to guy where they put him on a lot of pivotal game sixes knowing that he was going to favor that team down in the series and, and uh, a game seven was going to take place. So he was basically the NBA's go-to guy. You mentioned a couple of game sixes, and I'm going by, again, reading your book, which, again, is a great read for our viewers, our listeners. Be sure and check out Tim Donahue's book. I have to say it was interesting because both instances, both examples that you shared cost me big money. I had the Portland Trailblazers to win the NBA title back a few, maybe 10, 12 years ago. It was that infamous game seven in L.A., the Laker girls were up 13 points. I'm actually Portland. They were leading the Laker girls by 13 points in the fourth quarter and only to lose the game. A lot of conspiracy theory theorists thinking that there might be something going on here. I've never actually bought into that. I just felt like, well, but, but the numbers don't lie. Tim, 37 free throws to 16. The Lakers attempted 37 free throws to Portland 16. Also, of course, Portland went ice cold, but that was a very expensive game. Game seven years ago, Western Conference Finals, if you could elaborate on that, please. Yeah, and, you know, no doubt about it. I mean, it's, it's a situation where he, as a referee, is definitely doing what's good for the league, and a lot of times, uh, you know, he, he was favoring the L.A. Lakers because that's what would give the league global attention, not a team like the Portland Trailblazers. And I think when you talk about that pivotal game six, I believe Javi was also the, one of the referees on the game with him, if, I, if I'm correct. Well, and then if you look at Game 6, Sacramento Kings taking on the, the Lakers uh, a couple of years after that. I'm, I'm going on memory here, but I do remember, man, it was Game 6, Sacramento Kings looking to close out the Lakers. It was three games to two. Lakers, it was a crazy, crazy game, and the Lakers ultimately ended up winning. And then in Game 7, they ended up winning that contest as well. But a, a lot of questionable calls in Game 6, Sacramento Laker game specifically. Do you recall that? Uh, absolutely. I mean, and I recall speaking to Dick Vivetta, uh, you know, earlier in the day in regard to that game. And, and again, his philosophy was to favor that team that's down in the series, force a game seven, which is great for the league. And in that situation, everybody probably thought Sacramento was able, was going to be able to win on their home floor. And in one of the few instances in a game seven where the road team, uh, you know, has won. So yes, I remember that game, uh, very vividly. And, uh, you know, the situation, again, where, where Bavetta favored the team that was down in the series, that was his mentality of what he did as a referee. So any calls that could have went in their favor, they did. And, you know, reviewing that game tape, even calls that, uh, you, know, you know, weren't even close to being marginal, they, they got the benefit of that also. So uh, probably one of the most uh, notorious games in NBA history. With us on the phone line, Tim Donahue from RefPicks.com, former NBA referee. And, Tim, I want to ask you about the referees for tonight's Game 7. Dan Crawford is one, Scott Foster is the second, and Monty McCutcheon the third. All three of these guys, if you go by against the spread regarding the home team, all three of them are big underdog guys and, and with the line sitting at basically five and a half or six wherever you look. The Spurs actually... Scott, as you know, four and two against the spread so far in this series, including two and one in Miami as well. Any any uh, insight to the referees tonight at Game Seven? You know, I, I think I think these three guys tonight are, are pretty good uh, play calling officials. Foster tends to stretch out of his area and call a lot in front of the other referees, and I think you'll see that again tonight. We saw that in the last game that he just officiated, and he. And when he stretched out of his area, he got a lot of plays wrong. Uh, I think early on you're going to see them 
uh, have a lot of whistles so that there's no situations later on where, uh, you know, things get physical. Uh, they're going to try and set a tone. I, I think this is going to be a close game, and, and you know, I'm just hoping that uh, the referees aren't involved in, in deciding it with missing some of these calls that we've seen being missed uh, throughout the other games in the NBA Finals. Tim, as a diehard San Antonio Spurs fan, I, I really try to deal with an objective point of view. I say I'm a fan of the San Antonio Spurs, but the fact of the matter is everyone on this show knows I had a big fat future on the Spurs to win the Western Conference at plus 250, plus 220. Nothing to do with the finals. I really felt the heat, not to overstate the obvious, would win the NBA finals. But I think from the San Antonio Spurs fan base standpoint, they're probably very happy that one Joey Crawford is not officiating tonight's game. If you want to talk about about the perceived, I don't think it's perceived, I think it's a fact, the vendetta, if you will, or the, the fact there's no love loss between Joey Crawford and the San Antonio Spurs coach and the players. What say you? Yeah, yeah no doubt about it. I mean, uh, we all know that uh, Crawford challenged Duncan to a fight a couple years back, I believe it was in Dallas, and there's been animosity ever since that photo popped out, the Halloween photo of uh, Parker and Duncan holding the gun to... Uh, you know, a bald-headed guy with a referee jersey on that was supposed to uh, simulate Crawford. So, you know, Crawford's one of those hard-headed uh, guys that, uh, you know, will, will have, has an ego as big as David Stern, and, and he will not back down from uh, those guys. And, you know, when you rep a game in the NBA Finals, you would never rep the next game. So I knew he wasn't going to be a part of the, of the Game 7. You never rep back-to-back games, but... Uh, you know, just to even put him in a pivotal game six that he was in uh, is just something that is beyond me that the league would do that when they could put somebody else in there. So uh, I think there's a lot of people happy that he's not refereeing tonight. Tim, let me ask you, uh, with regards to game six, the way the game finished in regulation, the way it went in overtime, what did you personally think of the officiating in the game? I think that at both ends, it was terrible. I think there were situations that were missed at both ends. Of course, the pivotal play, in my mind, is Ginobili going to the basket and getting fouled with no call, and everyone wants to go back and say that he traveled. But, you know, there there was if you're going to call that travel, you would have to call 15 other travels. They're now saying that they're allowing this Euro step, uh, you know, in the league. But the the bottom line is, um, you know, they let the players travel. So you, you have to take the good with the bad with that, and he was fouled, and I think that he should have been at the foul line, uh, and he wasn't, and, you know, we all know that the, the San Antonio Spurs had to foul real quickly and, and put Ray Allen to the line, and basically that's a four-point swing, and uh, they still have a shot at the end, but without that, I, uh, you know, I think San Antonio wins that game. Well, the Spurs had a couple of chances, though, in regulation, and they missed their own free throws. They did get to the foul line. I, I was curious about that myself. You know, they, was it Kawhi Leonard missed one, and I think... Uh, Ginobili missed one. Ginobili missed one, right, yeah. and Parker missed one in overtime. Right. Uh, and then I thought the last play of the game, Danny Green was clearly fouled as well as Chris Bosh hammered him. Um, it, but the, the contact was below, you know, below the waist, basically, or down, you know, around the torso, not up high, where maybe the referee couldn't see that, and there's a lot of bodies all over the place with regards to it being right in front of the San Antonio bench. But I was surprised the game was as close as it was, thinking that the Game 6, of course the NBA wants to have a Game 7, but this, the Heat really had to work for it to get there, didn't they? Uh, they, they certainly did. I mean, it was a situation where uh, i got to give Spolster a lot of credit uh, that he was able to stay calm and basically coach uh, the Heat back into this game. And in, in, in the past, I thought that, 
Popovich was a much better coach than him, but I think that uh, my mind's starting to change a little bit after this game six. I've always said that Pop knows best. I'm a big Greg Popovich fan, but Tim, objectively, and again, I pride myself on being objective at all times, void of emotion when it comes to handicapping sports and stepping up to the bet window and, and betting significant money on these sporting events, but Popovich erred, I felt, uh, in the fourth quarter of that game. What say you? Yeah, I mean, I just think that uh, he let things go too long. I think he should have used his timeouts better in, in certain situations, and he uh, allowed Miami to get back in the game. And I think that, uh, you know, there were some situations where he definitely could have done things differently, and he didn't. And, and I think uh, I was in shock as much as a lot of those NBA fans that left the building and tried to get back in that uh, the game ended up going into overtime. Uh, yeah, I can't believe they didn't let him back in the game. They're all outside waiting. To, I was already here, uh, and they wouldn't let him back in the game. There is one rule, though, i got to ask you about. This, to me, is the silliest rule in all of – professional sports the other team scores a basket i call timeout and i'm going to move the ball up to half court or three-quarter court and and be able to start in the other teams in in my offensive zone that'd be the equivalent of saying you know what it's the seventh inning stretch and we get a guy to start the inning at second base i mean or in the nfl going hey i i i got a touchback i'll take i'll choose to take the ball at the other team's 35 yard line that's the stupidest rule i've ever heard of where did that originate from and why does it even exist I'm not sure where it actually originated from, but, you know, definitely it's a situation where uh, you put some excitement back into a game that otherwise maybe there wouldn't be any excitement. Maybe the fans tune in a little longer, stay at the game if there's, a, you know, a timeout and they know that you can advance and there's going to be a pivotal shot uh, rather than if there's one second you have to take the ball back out underneath your own basket. So I think it's just to add a little bit more excitement to the game uh, in a situation where, uh, a last shot would be very meaningful. But, you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more uh, in regard to your analogy using the other sports. Perfect. Right on head there. Well, the other thing, and we didn't talk about this really, but it, when, when Ray Allen makes a three-pointer to tie the game, 5.2 seconds left, the referees stopped the game. Nobody has timeouts left, and they wanted to go and review to make sure it was a three-point shot. Popovich is screaming, you can't do that, you can't do that. Is there a better solution to that? Do you let the game play out and then go back and look at it? thinking your team might have won and you might have to replay those 5.2 seconds, or is that the best way to do it? No, I, I think that you have to let it play out and wait for the next stoppage because, really, San Antonio, in my mind, was, was given an advantage in that situation because then they were able to draw up a play. But Popovich is, is such a great coach. He probably has prepared his team uh, you know, for this situation, and maybe they knew a play that they needed to run, and maybe Miami got the advantage because they were able to set up a defensive scheme. So the best way to do it is just to let it play out and then go to the review. Uh, you know, that was just kind of chaos right there. And, and again, uh, Popovich was able to sneak a sub in that um, could have been disastrous for the NBA if they ended up winning that game. So you say when he sneaks a sub in, Duncan didn't go to the, uh, the table and, and say, I'm coming in the game, right? Is that what happened? When I say he's, he snuck us up, and when there's a stoppage in play by the referees, okay, you're not allowed to sub. Okay, okay. So whether Duncan reported in or not, the referee should have stopped the game and said, no, you're not allowed to sub in that situation. If you have a timeout and want to call a timeout, you can sub, but because the referees stop play, no subs are allowed to come in. Gotcha. We're talking you to, have to start Dim the game the same way it ended at that point. 
Right. The whole idea there is no one can sub when there's a dead ball. When the, when the refs are reviewing a play and Tim Duncan, okay. I mean. So, yeah, it's, it's very interesting how it played out. And Greg Popovich will tell you, hey, we had a distinct advantage. He was annoyed and upset that they stopped the game because, and I know I've seen them do this many times, with five seconds to go after Ray Allen tied the game, he sees an opportunity. So he wanted to inbound right. the ball right now exactly. because it's tough to match up. And the defense, their last thing they're going to do is foul. So oftentimes you can get a layup, not that if it's going to be uncontested, but you can really find an advantage as opposed to having the defense set up defensively for that last play. We're talking to Tim Donahue, former NBA official from 1994 to 2007, has written a book. I've checked out the book, loved the book. Uh, Tim, I know you're a family man. You live in Florida. I check out the uh, photos every now and again on Facebook of you and your lovely daughter. Let's talk about your family. I know you're a family man. No, I am. I'm very fortunate to have four daughters. Um, we live in Sarasota, Florida, and I see them quite often uh, being a divorced father. So, you know, I'm just excited that things have turned around and, uh, you know, we're, we're back on uh, uh, good graces and, and we're able to spend a lot of time together after, of course, my troubles that I caused by myself. So, uh, you know, I'm just excited that things have turned around and I'm looking forward to moving forward. We're all human. We all make mistakes. I respect the fact that you, you manned up, you paid your debt to society. But let's talk. I know today and talking with you on occasion that you are on the speaking circuit. Tell me what people want to hear most about when you speak. Uh, I was just recently uh, in Las Vegas at the Mob Museum, and they love the stories of uh, you know the NBA and how I was able to pick the games based on relationships that existed. Uh, they just love to hear... Uh, you know, what actually went on behind the scenes and, and how grudges are, are taken out onto the floor uh, amongst the referees. If, if one referee has a problem with a player and that referee's buddy is officiating the next game, you know, how they kind of stick it to uh, that player also. So they just like the behind-the-scenes stuff, which uh, really intrigues a lot of people, stuff that's not out in the public. Tim, what about your personal relationships with any of your former colleagues? Are, are, is any of that open to you at all, or are you uh, basically a pariah when it comes to what happened to you, or is there bygones be bygones? Where's, where's that at now? Uh, I still have some relationships with referees that have retired. I have a relationship uh, with one or two guys still on the staff, and I also have some relationships with some people that are associated with uh, some of the franchises. So uh, for the most part, uh, you know, the, the amount of friends that I had has dwindled, but I still have some. Well, that's good. Now, Tim, what does the future hold for Tim Donahue? You know, I, I think just doing what I'm doing right now, uh, refpicks.com is young and growing, and as long as that's going to continue to grow as it has from day one uh, to the present, I think things are going to be terrific for me. Uh, and, uh, you know, definitely staying uh, the lives of my four daughters as much as possible, and and keep a positive outlook and, and learn from definitely the things that I did wrong and the mistakes I made. How did you initially, what triggered you to get involved with officiating? Maybe share some background information on what triggered the idea of wanting to become an official and your experience that led you to the NBA. You know, I think that my father was a top college basketball referee as I was growing up. I loved the game of basketball. I would travel to a lot of games with him. Uh, and, you know, being five, nine and a half with, with uh, you know, good sneakers on, I wanted to stay a part of the game but just wasn't able to because uh, my talents weren't what they were. And to stay a part of the game, I decided to start officiating, and I was very fortunate uh, to work my way up and uh, be seen by some guys that were, involved in the NBA and given an opportunity 
to get into a training program uh, in regard to the league and, and basically be selected to be a part of that staff. So uh, something I definitely worked very hard for, and, uh, you know, I, I miss it today. It was a, a great job, provided a great uh, living and, and um, a way to support my family. So it was it was definitely a great ride while it lasted. But, you know, unfortunately I made some mistakes and screwed it up. But, uh, you know, like I said before, things are getting better day by day with other opportunities. Tim, what do you miss most about officiating in the NBA? You know, I, I think just uh, being a part of the game on the floor and the excitement that that brings along with it. You're, you're on the floor with the greatest athletes in the world. Uh, you're... Um, you know, a part of making split-second decisions uh, in regard to the game and, and just the camaraderie of being uh, you know, a part of the NBA is something that I definitely miss. We're going to get right back into Game 7, Heat taking on the Spurs. In wrapping things up with you, Tim, again, if you could tell us who you like and why and or how you see tonight's game being played out. Well, right now I have uh, the plays up on refpicks.com, but, uh, you know, I'd rather not give out the side that I like because of the fact that it, it's up there on the site. But, you know, it's going to come down to shooting, uh, in my mind. It's going to come down to who can, uh, you know, step up and hit those big shots when the pressure's on, like Ray Allen did the other night. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of history of the uh, home team winning game sevens, but when you talk about the point spread and putting six points up there with the San Antonio Spurs, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a, a decision that, uh, you know, is a tough one, but I have, I have a big play up on com for that. Tim Donahue joining us on The Odds Couple today on KSHP AM 1400 Radio, live and worldwide, Vegas Video Network, Scott Pritchard, Brett Grant. On behalf of Brett, Tim, I'd like to say that it's been great having you on the show. We hope to have you on on a regular basis. Want to wish you continued good luck. Thanks for reaching out to me to have uh, to be a part of your team at refpicks.com, and we'll talk real soon. Okay, buddy. Thanks again for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Tim. Tim Donahue, former NBA official from 1994 to 2007, the founder of refpicks.com. Check it out. He has a strong opinion on tonight's game in regards to the side, the point spread for this game. Five and a half in the islands. Most places in Vegas have it at six. The Miami Heat at home. And I'm not big on drama, Brett, when it comes to betting sports. But I am intrigued with how this series is playing out. The San Antonio Spurs, I love the fact that they're very mechanical. They believe in a system. They rely on the system. A different player each and every game tends to step up within the confines of that system. But emotionally, okay, emotionally, how do you overcome being up for 28 seconds to go? You're up three in overtime. Parker misses a free throw. It would have put them up four points. They lose a game that they really, I mean, think about this. You play nine months Nine months, it comes down to game six. The Spurs are up three games to two. 17 years in the league for Tim Duncan going for that fifth ring. The game is over. The championship is yours, but you lose in overtime. And old man river. It's not like this team, young, and can bounce right back physically. The game went long. It was an overtime game, and they have a a day-and-a-half turnaround time. So I'm intrigued. If any team can do it, it's San Antonio because you're talking about a team that's proven, but you're also talking about a team that's a little long in the tooth. But emotionally, how do you overcome the big bad boys of the Miami Heat, a team that won it last year, the best team in basketball? They're at home, and the refs 
David Stern wants the Miami Heat to win. What say you? Well, there's a lot of things stacked against them. And as I said yesterday on the show, after they lost game six, I didn't think they had a chance to win tonight. But the one thing about San Antonio is that they're proven their experience, their veterans. If anybody can forget what just happened to them, I think it's the older player versus the younger player. So guys like Ginobili and, and obviously Parker and, and Duncan, they've got to be the ones in that locker room convincing Danny Green he's got to play better tonight. Because if Danny Green had a, bit, a nice game six, they win the game. He was, wasn't very good. they got to calm down Kawhi Leonard and say, hey, you missed a free throw. Forget about it. We still have another shot to go out and get this thing done. I mean – not there's not a lot of teams that are going to go into Miami and win Game Seven. I don't think overall, but if there's going to be a team you got to pick that could do it, it's going to be this particular team. Uh, the Spurs have been very resilient. Nobody really talks about how good the Spurs have been. They've got four championships, and they are like it's like they play in Siberia of the NBA. <laughs> I mean, they really do. They've got a great team, and if that team was called the New York Knicks be one of the greatest teams in the history of the NBA over what they've done over that period of time. So that's why, it's why Greg Popovich is as good as he is. Can he get this team ready to play? And if there's a coach I had to pick, I think he's going to have them ready to play. The question is, what happens when the, with the Heat, for example, early in the second, late in the first quarter, sometime in the second quarter, if the Spurs are down double digits? Can they come back? and make it competitive. We know the Heat, if they're down double digits at home, are going to make a run. We just saw it. What happens if the tables are turned the other side? Do the Spurs get blown out, or are they able to come back? We're going to find out. I think that's a cue to bring in the big bad wheel. The professional sports better checks their emotions, their ego at the door. This is spin to win. We have the Spurs taking on the Heat. I am forced to make an argument for whatever the wheel says. Brett automatically has to argue for the other side because the smart sports better bets with their head, never their heart. You have to be able to make an argument for either side. Who do I have? I thought we were going to do the game between the Tigers and the White Sox today. What are we, what are we doing are for the Red Sox? I'm teasing. Oh, okay. <laughs> teasing. Game 7, I'm thinking, Game oh, did seven. I miss the memo? Well, I thought... <laughs> The Mariners and Angels were going to be their game today. No, I'm just kidding. You have Pop Knows Best. Pop Knows Best. San Antonio Spurs are proven. All right? Well, last game, we don't want to really talk about that. As I said yesterday, if you went to a bad movie, would you go back and see it again? No. So we don't want to relive that. Popovich is the best coach on the planet. I respect the Heat, heat coach, but he's out of his league. Greg Popovich, yeah, I get it. They're on the road, but they're a good road team. They've been very good ATS against the spread during the playoffs. The concern has been the quick turnaround time, but that's why it's not about the players. It's about the system. When you go to McDonald's, it's not about the people. It's not about the employees. It's about a duplicatable process. All right? It's proven. That's why we say the San Antonio Spurs plus the six. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. See the cashier. Well, I've got the best team in basketball. I've got the best team in basketball at home. I've got a younger team, a fresher team. And my coach just outcoached the best coach in the NBA. <laughs> so I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And the most important thing is those guys in the striped shirts, those black and white shirts, they're on my side. I got the heat. I don't think, I, I, you know, as I said yesterday, I think the Spurs missed their chance to win the NBA championship. I think the Heat win tonight, um, and that's just the way it is. Interesting. I mean, I, you look at the Heat and the Spurs and how they match up. I mean, the, the money's come in on the San Antonio Spurs because, again, in Game 6, it was 7.5 and, 
seven. This game, six. Money in the Islands coming in on the Spurs, bet down to five and a half. The, the bigger move has been on the total. They've been playing over... Okay, right. three, four games in a row. Four in a row. Right. Four, the first two games went under, barely, and the last four have gone over. Well, I think the last one would not have gone over had it not, not been, been for, for the overtime. overtime. Right. right. And so tonight you have a small move on the under, which makes sense. I mean, both of these teams are comfortable playing small ball, getting out in transition, but when you're talking about a one-game series – History has proven that you'll play a half-court set. Every possession is magnified. Teams will force each other to play in mud. So shooting percentages will be down. Scoring probably will be down. That might illustrate why there's been a small move on the total, the under for tonight's game. 20 past years, this is only the fourth time. We talk about the league and the fact that they won an extended series, but Facts are facts. This is only the fourth time in the last 20 years we've seen a Game 7 in the NBA Finals. It, it, yeah, it's interesting. But a lot of those NBA Finals, though, you had a dominant team on one side of the, of the bracket versus a team that was a little bit of an upstart on the other side. You had you know, the Michael Jordan years, then you had the Magic Johnson years, you had the Larry Bird years. You had great teams where they weren't necessarily always matched up against a great team. And you, of course, had the Tim Duncan years where they weren't necessarily pushed to Game 7 in their series. Then you'd have a, an upstart team. Here come the Orlando Magic. Well, you're back down in four games, uh, that kind of thing. And, of course, you had the, the Rockets with their great Olajuwon and Drexler type teams going through. I think these two teams are, are obviously, here we are in game seven, you could say, you know, the thing about the Heat, obviously, as we got, talked about in this series back and forth, is they don't win back-to-back games. Uh, they just they just don't do it. So I think that pretty, other than covering the spread, this series has gone winner, loser, winner, loser, winner, loser, right? It as really has. Through. I mean, in fact, what's interesting is, just on the other side of the coin, Brett, the neither one of these teams lose two games in a row. Right. Forget the Heat winning two games in a row. Neither one of these teams lose two games in a row. It's been an eternity since the Heat have lost right. two games in a row. But the San Antonio Spurs are facing that. The last three games of the regular season, actually, the Spurs lost two months ago, three games in a row. But really, for the, for the two months now, they have not lost back-to-back games. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. I, I'm intrigued. I, I haven't made, I have not bet the game yet. I'm still doing my research, still okay. doing my due diligence. I will not be, I'm 21 and 10. My last 31 plays right here documented on Vegas Video Network and the odds couple. After yesterday's win with the Cincinnati Reds, we're going to get to the right side in a few minutes. I do have an opinion. It's on a baseball game today and you actually heard it because a, a gentleman calls right. called in and, and wanted my play and I respectfully gave it to him. Apparently he can't wait. Okay. These gamblers, man, they've got to get the information now long before we're live on the air. <laughs> but yeah, so you already know who I like today. But in, in regards to the basketball game, it's a high profile game, one game. I'm intrigued. Doesn't mean I'm going to step up and bet. Right. Well, you know, the other thing about this I, and because the Heat have lost eight times this playoff season, right? They've lost. They went to Game Six against the Bulls. That means two losses. They went to Game Seven against Indiana. That's three more losses. Here we are, Game Seven. That's three more losses. That's eight losses. Can we please stop talking about the Miami Heat as being one of the greatest teams in the history of the NBA? Because the greatest teams in the history of the NBA do not lose eight times in the playoffs. It does, and maybe nine if they lose tonight. Even if they even if they win, that means they went sixteen and eight. 
a winning percentage of 666. 15 and 1, 14 and 2. Right. We've seen that over and over again by the great teams of the NBA, the Lakers and the Bulls and the Celtics, and the great teams have done that. The Miami Heat are not on that list. So to me, when you're talking about the great teams, the great teams don't mess around in the postseason. We beat you, we step on your throat, we eliminate you, we move on to the next opponent. The Heat have not done that. To me, they're not even close, not even close to being one of the best teams in the history of the NBA. It's a great point because no one cares. I mean, it's a, quite an accomplishment. Regular season, they won 27 consecutive games, second in the history yeah, of the league. Yeah, they're playing New Orleans. They're well, playing no, Charlotte. <laughs> they're playing Detroit. They're playing Milwaukee. They're playing bad basketball teams. Look at the Eastern Conference in comparison to the Western Conference. It's it's not even close. I mean, you, you look at the fact that they went 45-3, and three, and again, even if you're playing if you're playing in the NBA, to go 45-3 and three against anybody is quite an accomplishment. But your point's well taken. I agree agree with you. I mean, the fact is to they a lot of people put this team on a, a pedestal and we're seeing now that they're not as good. They're a bit vulnerable. They're probably going to win tonight's game, the Miami Heat, but the fact is they have as you say lost 8 playoff games after sweeping uh, a very average if not bad Milwaukee Bucks basketball team. Going to be fun. Man, I I mean I again tonight from start to finish I will be tracking and watching tonight's game. I'll beat my son's baseball game. Really? Yeah. You'll be tracking it. I mean, I, I'll, I'll be, be watching also. I'll be tracking it on my phone. I'll be looking to uh, step up and, and man up for the halftime, depending upon yeah. what I see for the first half. If I can find a half point, 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 and half the best of it for the second half on a side, more likely on a total, but we'll see. So uh, With the, the line where it is, and I know we always talk about a sharp number, is is six, five and a half, is that a sharp number from the standpoint of where this game should be based on the fact that the Spurs are four and two against the spread and two and one at Miami against the spread? The odds makers say so and, and I respect the odds makers. I respect the market even more. I mean this line opened six. There was a touch of six and a half and now money is trickling in. In the islands at Pinnacle I saw it was five and a half on my way to the studio right. this morning. So I mean I think that's about right. Five and a half, six points. I mean the thing is, I was watching watching the game with my girlfriend the other night, Jessica, and, and it's like, wow, amazing. I mean, the Spurs up 10, going into the fourth quarter, up 13 late in the third. The point spread for the game was seven, and now we're watching with three minutes to go, and it's a, a three-point game, and it's a photo. I didn't have any action on it, but it's just, again, right. you know, so the uh, these odds makers, when they hone in on one game, high-profile game, NBA championship, they have two to three days to get the number right. For all intent and purpose, that side, I don't care if the Heat win by 30 or the Spurs win straight up. That's probably the right number, five and a half, six. Obviously, if you're going to bet the game and you like the Spurs plus, you probably should have bet plus six and a half yesterday when it was out there. Conversely, if you like the Heat, why would you lay six when you could lay five and a half? So it pays to shop. That's for sure. All right, you're listening to The Odds Couple on KSHP AM 1400 Radio, live and worldwide, Vegas Video Network. Check out my sports betting seminar on this strip. Football weekend, September 6th on a Friday from 9A to 5P. How to bet football and win. I'll be joined by my good buddy, colleague, mentor, fellow professional sports better, Dink. Dink was featured in the movie Lay the Favorite, starring Bruce Willis as Dink. Check out the information on my site, Pritchardspicks.com. Your investment, $695. Sign up by August 20th. It's $395. So that will be opening weekend. Hair is on the strip. Talking football, football betting, it's never too early to talk football. No, the, the lines are already out, right? Games of the year, week one lines, people have already been betting football. I, You know, I think they should have football 12 months out of the year. I'm sure they do. 
can we can bet Canadian football? Well, actually, you can. You can always yeah. bet futures, right? right. So, <laughs> did you partake in any of the games of the year that came out early with uh, line movement? Did you play anything early to see? No, absolutely not. I have okay. zero interest in that. Okay. It has nothing to do with what I do because there is money to be made today. Right. Today. I'm focused on today. And That's I don't right. want to get... You're, you're, you have commitment issues. I, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. That's well documented. <laughs> exactly. The idea here is I don't want to get... I might have an opinion on Texas A&M playing some other right. college in June, but I don't want that to... I don't want to have a preconceived mindset. Every game is an independent contract. It's a three-hour contract. I don't want to get emotionally attached. It's like attached. Gilligan's Island with you. A three-hour contract. It's true. A three-hour contract. And, and in fact, I actually <laughs> prefer an hour and a half. Okay. That's why I bet half first time. half, second half, first five innings of a baseball game as opposed to the entire nine innings. So we're going to take a commercial break. Brett Grant, Scott Pritchard together. We are the odds couple. We'll be right back. Have you ever thought you should be on the radio? Or have you considered doing an online video show or podcast? If so, now is your only chance to do both at the same time. KSHP and the Vegas Video Network have teamed up to provide the only multi-camera broadcast quality video and live radio simulcast in Las Vegas. And instead of having your show played at some ungodly hour, the KSHP Vegas Video Network partnership is producing shows that play from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. Imagine having your own radio show broadcasting to the entire Las Vegas Valley and combine that with an online presence that is viewed in all 50 states and 150 countries, both live and on demand. This is a first and an outstanding opportunity to give voice to your business, your ideas, and your talent. If you'd like your own show on KSHP and the Vegas Video Network, contact us today at 221-1200. That's 221-1200. Welcome back to The Odds Couple on KSHP AM 1400 Radio. Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, live and worldwide. Vegas Video Network, live chat up and running. My name is Scott Pritchard, professional sports better, featured on Pritchardspicks.com, joined by Brett Grant. GM of KSHP. Together, we are the Odds Couple, live Monday through Friday from 10A to 11A. Tomorrow, I'm on the road. Father-daughter weekend. I'm heading back to the Big A to see the Angels play interleague baseball against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, Looking nice. for, I'll be calling in if that's allowed. Sure. Will you answer, or do I just call in? Hey, I'm, I'm one for one so far. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a Hall of Famer at answering the phone. We would like for you to re continue to reach out to us. We would love to have you be a part of the show. You can do that by emailing us at oddscouple at vegasvideonetwork.com. That's oddscouple at vegasvideonetwork.com. Now, we also have web-based voicemail. Simply go to our site, Vegas Video Network. Right-hand side, there's a red bar. Click there, middle of the page, a green bar. Hit start recording. Live chat up and running. Studio line open, 702 221 7283. If you do miss us live, reach out to us. Vegas Video Network, YouTube, iTunes, Roku. Frustration! That's what I'm talking about. That's my life. Day in, day out. Welcome to my world. Sports, sports betting. Are you kidding me? Well, 
Are you kidding me with last night? What a great hockey game last night. Game four of the Stanley Cup Finals saw the Chicago Blackhawks even the series with a very high-scoring 6-5 win last night in overtime. And as I told you, it was going to be a low-scoring game, <laughs> right? As I told you yesterday. Um, the Blackhawks jumped out early. They got a big lead. The Bruins came right back and tied it. I played the Bruins yesterday thinking the Bruins at home, a cheap price, minus $1.27 or something like that is what I had on the game. I, go, I like that price. And I thought it was a good spot for them. The Blackhawks had not been playing well. They hadn't been scoring well. And I was depressed. I was elated. I was depressed. <laughs> I was elated. They went back and forth and back and forth and finally in overtime. That's why I love hockey so much because it, you see the grit and determination that goes into the game. And the Blackhawks, Brent Seabrook, uh, the defenseman, scores in overtime, about 10 minutes in overtime, to tie the series. And I didn't mind. Uh, oh, I, I didn't like the fact that I lost my bet. But at the same time, what a wonderful game it was last night. High scoring, 6-5 uh, win. So... Uh, for that, I just love overtime hockey. Are you kidding me? Give me more overtime hockey. That's what I want. Red Rover, Red Rover, someone loved the over. The sports books agreed with you, Brett. I mean, the total for that game last night, four and a half, five. But, I mean, I didn't play it either. But, man, oh, man, 11 goals based on the fact that it was projected to be around four and a half, five goals for the contest. Yeah. So my Are You Kidding Me segment has to do with Chris Bosch of the Miami Heat. He called out the fans. Remember, they were down four, 28 seconds to go. LeBron hit a three, five seconds to go. Ray Allen hit a three. They go overtime, they win. But a lot of the fans in Miami upset, annoyed, put off because the big three failed. They left. Chris Bosch called out the fans that left and said you should not be allowed back for Game 7. Chris Bosch, are you kidding me? What Get Chris, over yourself already. What Chris Bosch didn't know is they were running over to the Marlins game. Well, <laughs> well, that's interesting. Because nobody's they, ever had a Marlins game. They hear, hey, good seats available for the Marlins game. <laughs> well, the fans left. The building. Right. Well, Chris Bosch left. He just didn't leave the building. I mean, what did he right. do? He didn't do anything. He had other the big than rebound. That, the big rebound in regulation. Right. But to call out the fans, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> he actually has been rebounding better. He's got a couple of double-digit rebounding games in this, I think, the last two games of the series. He's a talent. He can play. Yeah. I would just dog in the guy because no, no, he's dogging the fans. That's what happens, my friend. Well, usually, Life lesson. Usually, if you leave after this, you know, at baseball games, for example, after the seventh inning, they let you leave, or you can leave. But after about the nope. eighth inning, they open the gates back up and people can kind of stroll into a game yeah and they said that that's the way it was in st louis well life lesson with chris bosh if you say bad things about people people will say bad things about you you think so don't ask me how i know <laughs> you know <laughs> this is the odds couple on kshp live and worldwide vegas video network i'm excited this is the part of the show i'm always excited when i'm here at the studio but more excited the late the later we are in the show because we're this much closer to putting money into your pocket as Brett and I together put you on the right side. Well, my right side today, yesterday's uh, game recapping what I did yesterday was uh, it, it fell out yesterday. I had the White Sox over the Twins. Twins uh, beat Chris Sale and the White Sox. First time really Chris Sale has pitched poorly uh, in a while. Today I'm going to do the opposite of that. I'm going to pitch a pick a game in where the pitcher is pitching so poorly he I think he's hit rock bottom he cannot get any worse in his last three starts happens to be a very good pitcher and that's the Tampa Bay Rays at the New York Yankees today Matt Moore has been absolutely horrible 
in his last three starts. A whip of 3.0 in his last three starts. But he's 8-3 and three on the season. And I think it's a matter of him just, every pitcher typically goes through a little bit of a slump during the course of the year, unless it's a terrific season for somebody. And he's in a good matchup today, I think, against Andy Pettit in a lineup uh, that he's going to be able to handle with the Rays and the Yankees. I like the Rays and Matt Moore, even money today, uh, plus 102, actually, against the New York Yankees. The Tampa Bay Rays have been a very good over team. You talked about questionable pitching, but, man, they've been hitting the ball very well, and that lends itself. It's a good recipe for the over, a la the Angels, with the exception of last night's game, 1-0, the final score. But, yeah, the Rays have been a good over team. They have been. Getting to my right side, before we do so, I want to recap what I did yesterday. I'm on a streak, 21 wins, 10 losses, my last 31 plays, betting sides, totals, basketball, Baseball totals, money lines, small favorite here and there. Yesterday, the Reds, minus 39 cents at home. One extra innings knocked off the Pirates 2-1. Today, looking at an interleague game, the Milwaukee Brewers on the road taking on the Houston Astros. It's still challenging to think that the Astros are in the American League, and this is an interleague game as opposed to a National League contest, but the Houston Astros are a buck 30 dog. Milwaukee favored 30 cents. That's my play. Milwaukee Brewers minus the 30 cents. Winner, winner. Chicken dinner. See the cashier. Man. That bed bell has been battered. I'm calling the shelter for abused bells. This bell <laughs> has a mind of its own, <laughs> no, it unlike just, you and me. It needs to be caressed and, and smacked properly. There okay. it is. Bingo. I can do it when I want to. <laughs> there you go. I'm just not always motivated. I understand. The uh, the Brewers and Astros, ironically, of course, everybody knew this. A year ago, they were division opponents. Now it's an interleague matchup. So that means the pitcher doesn't have to bat in that game. And that's Giovanni Gallardo, right, going for the Brewers today against yes. uh, what, Luke Harrell, I think, Yes. in that uh, interesting matchup. The Astros have been as bad as they are. They've gone on a couple of interesting streaks on the positive as well, where you really and, – and the Marlins getting Giancarlo Stanton back in their lineup. They've gone and played some pretty uh, much better baseball in recent times. That's a very good point, observation, because timing has so much to do with – when to get on, when to get off. Now, we know perception dictates that the Marlins and the Houston Astros are pathetic. They both were at one time, I was checking this out earlier today, they were both around 13 and 40, 15 and 40. But they both, and, and you're getting good juice with this. It takes courage, believe me. It does take courage to step up to the bet window to put your hard-earned money on the Houston Astros and or the Miami Marlins. But the last couple, three weeks now, it's a big, fat winning Propositions. Well, the Marlins took two out of three at home against the number one team in the league, the St. Louis Cardinals, over the weekend. And now the Marlins are on the road. They're playing the world champion San Francisco Giants, where the Marlins have won nine of 35 road games so far <laughs> this year. They're 9-26 and 26 wow. so far. You've been listening to The Odds Couple. A special thanks to my buddy Tim Donahue, former NBA official from 1994 to 2007, joining us. He'll be a regular guest on our show, The Odds Couple. Check out his site, refpicks.com, and one of the featured handicappers on that site. Check me out also on my site, Pritchard's Picks. Dot com. Some of the information is free. Some of the information you have to pay for. Opt in today for free picks. As I've said many times, and I'll repeat today, the most expensive advice is free advice. For my good buddy Brett Grant, my name is Scott Pritchard. Together we are the Odds Couple. I'm heading to Anaheim tomorrow with my lovely daughter Skyler. I'll be calling in. Have a good day.